Hi, I'm Pastor Kaylee. Thank you for listening to this sermon from Wood Street Chapel in Fortuna, California. You can find out more information about our church at www.woodstreetchapel.org. So this morning we are continuing our study yet again in the the road less traveled and specifically with the, the book of Revelation. And two weeks ago we brought our our teaching to a close with a a specific question. And that question was, who can stand? In light of of all of the stuff that was going on, in light of the, the wrath of the Lamb, in light of God's judgment on creation, who can stand? And the answer is that the people of God can stand. Empires have come against the people of God throughout history. And while those empires are no more, the people of God continue to stand. Challenge after challenge has been brought to the church. And yet through it all, the people of God continue to sing and stand. Two weeks ago, we were discussing the the seals that were opened and the horsemen that came forth. If we're, we don't use the word seal very often, but it's mentioned in that song that we sang this morning. Is anyone worthy to open the, the seal, to break the seals, to open the scroll? And, and John is in heaven, right? And he's weeping that there is no one in heaven or, or on earth or under the earth that's worthy to open it. And then he's reminded, but wait, there is someone. There is someone who is worthy, the, the root of David, the, the lamb who was slain. He is worthy to open the scroll. And when these scroll, this scroll is being opened, these seals are, are being broken as the scroll is opened. And as these seals are being broken, we see these horsemen that are being released. What we see when these horsemen are released is this window, this, this glimpse that's showing what the church is experiencing during the, the time that was relevant to, to that, those seven churches that were being written to you. All throughout history to us today in the church going forward, these, these seals are still in effect. And this morning we're going to be looking at a series of trumpets that are sounded after these seals are being opened. And what we see when we start looking at these trumpets... The judgments that come with these trumpets is, it, whereas the seals were a window on sh- showing what the church was going to be experiencing, these trumpets are a window showing what those outside the church will be experiencing. Those who are invited to be saved by Christ before judgment is complete. And there's that word. There's that word that is so incredibly unpopular, especially today. Judgment. You can't judge me. What, what gives you the right to judge me? Judgment is oftentimes seen as a synonym for intolerance. If I'm judging you, then that means that, that I am intolerant of, of whatever it is that, that you stand for. And 
The reason that this is the case is because reality has gone from the objective, capital T, God-revealed truth outside of me, outside of you, and it has now become something that is subjective inside of me, inside of you, based on what I think, based on what you think, what you feel, whatever works for you is, is your truth and whatever works for me is my truth. You do you. We all get our own opinion. There are many ways to the truth. That is what truth has become. And that is why... Judgment is such a nasty word to the world because judgment says that doesn't work. The truth, capital T, God truth, says that that doesn't work. There is only one way. And all the while, the same people that would call themselves kings, that would place themselves on their thrones because it's their truth, can't go an entire day without getting a glass of coffee because they're so tired from all of the things that they need to do. At the end of the day, those same people, regardless of whether or not they choose to put themselves on that throne, will go to sleep. At the end of the day, those people are, are going to, to die and they're, they're not going to matter and the world will continue. We are not as important as, important as we think we are. The trumpet judgments that we're going to be looking at are actually one more way that God demonstrates mercy to those that he is calling to himself. Now, let's, let's pause for just a second because for those of you that have read the book of Revelation before, that, that, that might be a different take than what you're used to. Normally when we start looking at the, the judgments that come in the book of Revelation, we think about someone who is guilty experiencing the consequences of their choices. Normally when you're looking at the book of Revelation and you hear about all of these catastrophes taking place, all of this uh, apocalyptic events taking place in the book of Revelation, when you talk, hear about all of these people dying, you think about the destruction of nature. When we look at what, everything that's going to come, it is so easy to look at this and say, man, this is like everybody had their chance and now this is like God coming out saying, well, guess what you should have picked? Normally when we hear about judgment, assuming it isn't directed towards us, of course, you know, our noses kind of go up a little bit and, and we maybe quietly celebrate that justice is finally being served. But when we pause to consider that, that perhaps the, the judgment, perhaps the, the calamity, the difficulties of this particular time that are foretold in this revelation, maybe they are in fact one more chance that's being given. One more lifeline being thrown. If, if we consider it that way, it casts God in a completely different light. Instead of me looking at God as being the angry, disappointed father, he's now seen as the God who loves creation so much that even though they have chosen time after time after time after time to not follow him, to not choose him, to not pick his ways, he's saying, I love you so much that I'm not going to put the full weight of my judgment on you. 
And instead, I'm going to show you mercy. When we shift that perspective, God goes from being the vindictive, angry father to now demonstrating love that is so everlasting. Love that is so unconditional that even though I have, have made choice after choice, even though people that are, are, have chosen not to follow Christ have made choice after choice to turn away from God, he says, I still want you. I still love you. Christ came to reveal the heart of the Father. And it was really interesting. We went and saw the, uh, the movie in the theaters, The Jesus Revolution. And as many of you know, I, I also watched the, the Chosen, and there's this kind of crossover that happens because the actor who plays Jesus in The Chosen is also one of the actors in uh, the Jesus Revolution. Not, no spoilers, but he doesn't play Jesus in the Jesus Revolution. He, he plays just a, a regular man. And it was so interesting, and I, I wasn't expecting this. When I was watching Jesus Revolution, when, I, when we saw this movie, there was a moment where this actor made a negative comment just kind of out of the blue. It wasn't anything terrible, but it was just something that was maybe putting his wife down in some way. And, and it, was, it was so off the cuff that you almost wouldn't have recognized it, except for the fact that that was the first time I had ever seen that actor do anything that wasn't Christ-like. And it was so interesting to me. And, and I realized immediately after that I saw that, that this is emphasizing the, just how much Christ demonstrates the heart of the Father for us. You know, I'm not going to say that the, the chosen is the perfect demonstration of Christ, okay? Please understand, like, I get that there can be flaws. This is something that's made by humans for humans, okay? We, we understand that. But still, there is something to, to glean from seeing someone acting out the heart of Father God. And when that is contrasted with someone acting in, in all of their humanness, just like any human does, that is when it all of a sudden comes to light. The heart of the Father is loving. The heart of the Father desires His children to be saved. The heart of the Father wants to see His children free from death. The heart of the Father wants to see His children born anew to walk in life as they were designed to. That's the heart of the Father. And as a human father, I want those things. I want those things for my kids. I want those things for you. How much more so does God want those things for us? And it is so sad when the gospel that's being proclaimed is treated as, as little more than fire insurance. When the gospel that's being proclaimed is really just, just out there as this is insurance so that you don't have to go to hell. It is so much more than not going to hell. There's a God who loves you. There is a Father in heaven who wants the best for you. The beauty and riches of Jesus should not be turned into a hall pass. 
This means that people are entering into the kingdom of God out of fear. Now, let's be clear. Can somebody enter into the kingdom of God based out of fear? Yeah, 100%. If, if that is their motivation and they come to God out, out of fear of where their destination is, God will meet them right where they are at. And maybe you say, Matt, that was me. But what I can guarantee you is once they make that choice, their eyes will be open and they will see, man, there was so much more that I got out of this than just a hall pass. But when we look at the end of Revelation, we see that there is so much more than fire insurance. We see the, the longing of our hearts, the, the beauty, the fulfillment, the friendship, the joy, the, the connection that we have always been looking for from the beginning of creation. What every human has wanted is present in Revelation 21 and 22. That is what waits for us. We will be united to Jesus. It is so much uh, more true, right, and beautiful than for someone to be scared into the kingdom of God. And, and so it, it's just important for us to understand and to have that mindset before we start talking about, let's be honest, some pretty terrible things that are about to happen. Some pretty terrible things that are foretold in the book of Revelation chapter 9. These are hard, difficult, uncomfortable things. And yet that is the Father God. The, the Father God, the heart of the Father is what we just talked about. And so we have these seven trumpets. The, the seventh seal is opened. And what happens when the seventh seal is open? When the seventh seal is open, all of heaven is silent for 30 minutes. And I think it's important for us to, to consider something. And I don't know if this is, I'm pretty sure this is accurate. Somebody can, can pull me out and, and call me out on it later if it's not. We see in Scripture that there is continuous worship that happens around the throne. There is continuous bringing of praise that happens around the throne of God 24-7, that, that really time doesn't necessarily count the same way that it does for us, that, that there is worship that is always happening, that always has been happening around the throne. And yet, when this seventh seal is opened, all of heaven is silent for 30 minutes. You know, it's not just like, hey, we were having a conversation, let's just maybe take a little bit of quiet time for a minute. All of heaven is silent for 30 minutes and it just stops. Can you imagine silence for 30 minutes? <laughs> Kaylee's like, sign me up. <laughs> Jeff just says, no, he can't do it. Uh, <laughs> maybe Heidi and Kaylee need to get together or something. <laughs> but silence in heaven means that, that the worship around the throne is silent. That this worship that has gone on for all of eternity past stops for 30 minutes. And instead of being spoken aloud worship, it becomes silence in awe of what it is that God is going to do. 
All of heaven is in awe about what has just been revealed as this seventh seal is, is broken. Silence and realization and about what is about to happen. That God is going to unveil reality. The, the real reality, right? What we've been talking about. The reality of his throne, of his rule, of his righteousness. His reality is going to be the reality for all of humankind going forward. That's what the seventh seal says. And before we get to that, before that reality comes, there are these seven judgments that, that must come that, that are just that next attempt to get the attention of a people that God desperately loves. These, these trumpets are, are the attempt of God to say, come on, listen. This ship is going down and I love you. I want the best for you. They are an attempt to get attention from a people who are in need of a savior because all of their idols have failed them. And as we look at this, it's interesting because you can draw a lot of parallels to the judgments that we see here and the judgments that you see happen in Exodus chapter 11, 6 through 7. where we see the plagues that come against the people of Egypt. God sends plagues on the, this nation to free his people, to allow them to go. And with each plague, the people of God are protected. Exodus eleven six through 7 says, There will be a loud wailing throughout Egypt, worse than there has ever been or ever will be again. But among the Israelites, not a dog will bark, or any person or animal, excuse me, not a dog will bark at any person or animal, then you will know that the Lord makes a distinction between Egypt and Israel. We see the, these different plagues that come and, and we see that throughout it all, there is a distinction, there is a clear line drawn between who Israel is and the judgment that is being passed on the people of Egypt. Just like there is a clear distinction between Israel and Egypt, there is a clear distinction between those who have repented and those who have not that we see in the book of Revelation. God makes a distinction. God alone rules in heaven, and so he alone is able to make that distinction. God's mercy is shown. God's mercy is shown is in his restrained judgment, in the restrained judgment towards Egypt and in his restrained judgment towards the, the people that we see in the book of Revelation. Could God have just shown up and wiped out the entire nation of Egypt to let his people go? You bet. He could have just slaughtered the entire, the entire group. And yet he shows mercy. God offers repentance because he is compassionate. If we look at the plagues, we see that, that each plague targets a, a different aspect of Egyptian life, that it's targeting each specific god or idol that the people of Egypt ha have put their hope in, that all aspects of creation are, are nothing compared to the power and the might and the authority of God. 
And so we see these first four trumpets that come and they're, they're centered around creation. And here's what we get. The first four trumpets. The first one, hail and fire mixed with blood burn up a third of the earth and its vegetation. Next, a, a burning mountain is hurled into the sea and a third of all ocean life and all seafaring vessels on the ocean are destroyed. Fourth, uh, uh, a third of the sun, the moon, and the stars go dark. Man. How do, how do, you, how do you respond to that? How, do we, how does that work? What does life look like after that? We see that life is hindered, but it's not completely destroyed. I mean, gosh, you, we lose power for like a day, and it's like, this is, this is impossible. I can't charge my iPhone. But what we see here is, is a complete removal of control. And an important point, once again, that we are tempted to, to look at when, when we start looking at these things, when we start looking at a third of the earth and its vegetation burned up, when we start looking at a third of the ocean life destroyed, man, God is, is harsh. That, that is a, a, a huge judgment. One third could have easily been everything. And God still would have been just in making it everything. We deserve everything. One third is mercy. One third is a call to wake up because there is a better life for you to have. There is a God who loves you. There is a God who desires the best for you. And my goodness, this is not it. And after the, the fourth trumpet, an eagle flies overhead and proclaims, Woe, woe, woe to the inhabitants of the earth. Well, that doesn't sound very good. These people, the, the people that are receiving this judgment at this point, have persecuted Christians, have rejected Christ. They have trusted in what they think, have trusted in what they feel to save them. Their physical world has been turned upside down by these first four judgments. Everything that they know in terms of the, the physical world has been really messed up. And yet they still are choosing not to humble themselves. Not to believe. And so the, the fifth trumpet is a turn. An angel is given the keys to unleash demonic beasts on all of mankind for five months without relief. And as these beasts come and, and torment those that have not chosen to follow Christ, there's some specific realizations that happen. Your body is not going to save you. 
All of the plastic surgery in the world is not going to make you immune to the judgment that is coming. All of the, the exercise that you have done is not going to, to make you better prepared for the judgment that is coming. Your diet isn't going to save you. Your prepper stash in your bunker is not going to save you from the judgment that is coming. Your stockpiled ammo isn't going to be enough. How many social media followers you have will not be relevant. Your bank account does not matter. Your bank account cannot even buy you death, it says. The Bible says that people will long for death, but God won't allow it. And again, it is so tempting to look at that and say that, that the reason God isn't allowing death is because he, he's being vindictive and he wants to make sure that you guys experience the full extent of whatever judgment's coming your way. You're going to get yours. But that's not it. God is saying right here that there is a judgment that is worse than death. There is a judgment that is worse than physical death. The reason God isn't allowing death is because he wants his people to come to him. He still wants these children to come to him. He still loves these people that are actively choosing not to follow him. The offer to repent is still available. And yet people still choose not to. And then we have the, the sixth trumpet. The sixth trumpet results in the biggest death toll in all of human history. If we use some numbers that we'll, we'll just pull from today, we're looking at right around 2.6 to 2.8 billion people dead. The four angels are loosed from the borders of the land and release an army of two million mounted cavalry, killing a third of the population of the earth. And the description of these horses and the riders show that the, the judgment of God is real, it's serious, it's scary, it's terrifying, and yet it is still merciful. Again, that third should have been all. That third should have been a complete 100%. Two-thirds of the population is still given the opportunity to turn from their wicked ways and return to God. Revelation 9, 20 through 21 says, The rest of mankind who were not killed by these plagues still did not repent of the work of their hands. They did not stop worshiping demons and idols of gold and silver and bronze, stone and wood, idols that cannot see or hear or walk, nor did they repent of their murders, their magic arts, their sexual immorality or their thefts. The rest of humankind is so bound up in the things that, that have clamored for their attention, that have ensnared them, that have distracted them, that they are unable to choose God. And in, in not choosing God, they have made the ultimate choice. Between the sixth and the seventh trumpets, there's uh, talk of these two witnesses where we see lots of looking back at, at Old Testament prophecy, where we see a lot of comparisons that be, can be drawn. And, and these two witnesses are, are calling to the lost. 
calling to those that remain, pleading with them to repent of their, their wicked ways. And, and the prophets are eventually killed. And the Bible says that the people rejoiced at the death of the prophets because they had been a torment to those who dwell on the earth. The people of God who were proclaiming the truth of God were accused of tormenting those who were opposed to the ways of God. That doesn't seem like something that's all too far off from what we've seen even today. But God raises these witnesses from the dead. He calls them to heaven. There's an earthquake and a tenth of the city collapses. 7,000 people die and the rest turn and give glory to God. The city specifically being Jerusalem. And even here, we see, if you look at the Old Testament, there are multiple times where there's only a tenth that, is, that remains. There's only a tenth that God saves. There's only a tenth that gets rescued. But here, we see God rescuing nine-tenths of the city. And then we have the seventh trumpet. Revelation eleven fifteen through 18, it says, The seventh angel sounded his trumpet, and there were loud voices in heaven which said, The kingdom of the world has become the kingdom of our Lord and of his Messiah, and he will reign forever and ever. And the 24 elders who were seated on their thrones before God fell on their faces and worshiped God, saying, We give thanks to you, Lord God Almighty, the one who is and who was, because you have taken your great power and have begun to reign. The nations were angry with your, and your wrath has come. The time has come for judging the dead and for rewarding your servants, the prophets, and your people who revere your name, both great and small, and for destroying those who destroy the earth. The seventh trumpet is, is God's kingdom coming. The fulfillment of your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. That is what the seventh trumpet is. After going through all of these different events, we finally come to this time of, of realization. The kingdom of God being realized here on earth. Now there's, there's plenty of different focus that we see, in, and I'm sure you, you've run into it in your studies of the book of Revelation. If you, you've talked to other people about this, one of the, the most important questions seemingly is, well, am I going to have to go through any of that? Is, is any of that something that I'm going to have to deal with? Man, I sure hope not. And there's a lot of conversation about how how the rapture happens. When are, when are we going to be taken away to heaven? When, what about the people that are still here? What are they going to go through? I'm not, I, I have my own personal opinions, but I don't know that that really matters. That's not the, the point of what it is that we're looking at here. The point is that we see over and over and over again that God is demonstrating his mercy. And what we do know is that God has a distinction between his people and those that have not chosen him. And we know that God is loving. So all of those things, to me, feel that it, it does 
allow us to make some, some educated guesses about how, where we, we fall in, in this process. However, wherever I am in the midst of these judgments, I will still proclaim the mercies of God. I'm going to close with a question. How bad would it have to get for us to walk away from whatever exists in our lives that is taking the place of God? And, and you say, well, Matt, we've already made the choice to follow God. We, we, we are, are followers of Jesus. I, I am thrilled. That is exactly what we want. However, I am fairly certain that there are still things in our lives that, that we hold back. There are still those things that we hold on to that, that we use as substitutes that, that sometimes get more attention than what they, they should. And if we put ourselves into these types of situations, if we look at the scenarios that are being talked about here, how would it bad would it have to get for us to walk away from those things that we're holding on to? To walk away from whatever it is that exists in my life that is taking the place of God. Because we all have those things to some degree. What would, I, what would it take for me to turn away and to, to give those things back? To turn to a God who is full of mercy. Hopefully it doesn't take a third of the ocean being destroyed. Hopefully it doesn't take a third of the vegetation of the earth to be burned up by hail and, and fire and blood. But we know it is going to take that for some people. It, that's going to be what it takes for some people to be able to, to finally recognize that, that their way isn't the best way. We cannot be those people. That cannot be where we find ourselves. And if that is where you are finding yourself, if there are things that you are hanging on to that are getting in the way of God having his way in your life, if there are things that you are holding on to that, that maybe just, oh, it's not that big a deal. I'll just delete the app. I'll just put that drink away. I'll, I'll put those pills away. I'll, I'll stop smoking that thing. I will stop doing whatever the thing is. It's okay. I've got this. But it always comes back. If that's where you find yourself, and maybe there needs to be more than just you trying your best. Maybe your own best efforts aren't going to be enough. And maybe we need to turn to a God who is full of mercy and release those things to him instead. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you. We thank you that you are abounding in love. God, we thank you that your mercy never fails. Lord, as we come to a close here this morning, as we, we come to a time of prayer, a time of fellowship, Lord, we, I ask that you would just cause us to, to have eyes that see. Lord, open our eyes to see the things that, if there are things that have been put in front of you, God, we want those to, to go.
we release them to you. If there are things that, that are getting in the way of you having your way in our life, God, we, we hand them over. God, I surrender my pride. God, I, I lay down everything that would, would hinder me being used by you. Lord, I want to see your kingdom come. God, we thank you for your word. We thank you for this revelation that, that is not meant to scare. It's not meant to bring fear. It's not meant to, to bring people into the kingdom of God based on fear. God, it's meant to demonstrate mercy. Lord, help us to be mindful of the, the, the heart of the Father that loves his children. Even through discipline, even through the consequences of our own choices. God, you love us so much that you won't allow us to stay the way we are. And we thank you for it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for joining us today. If you'd like more information about Wood Street Chapel, check out our website, woodstreetchapel.org, or email us, info at woodstreetchapel.org. Connect with us on Facebook to stay in the loop. 